You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Actually, you know what the person who really deserves the credit is, is, is Brazilian Todd, because he's the <laughs> real genius here, right? Um, I'm never going to give you know, that up. <laughs> the, the numbers never lie. The numbers never lie. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news. And sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Travis Cura, joined by Brazilian Ty. And Ty, have you put on the quarantine 15? Where are you at here? Uh, I haven't gained any weight yet, but uh, my diet could be likened to that of Wade Boggs. (laughs) I got to say, I've been eating better than I ever have. And And I don't mean that. It's been healthy. I never once claimed that. <laughs> no, you're, you're living on bread right now by the looks of your Twitter feed. Yes, and there is nothing more glorious than sweet, I, I, sweet carbs. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm eating a lot of carbs too, but I'm drinking mine. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I made probably three dozen buns over the weekend, and then I tried banana bread for the first time. I did uh, some sweet potato mash. There was some vegetables involved. Sweet potatoes, uh, asparagus, carrots over the weekend. So I am getting some stuff that grows in the I, ground in there. But <laughs> I had lettuce and onions on my Burger King. <laughs> but I will say this. I have tried a raspberry. And it's okay. It's not great. Uh, I tried strawberries again. It's, it's fine. Strawberries uh, are by far like the worst berry, I think. Yeah, no, like I don't, I don't want to eat seeds. Like, right. No. And I uh, put sour cream on my pierogi. And how did that go? I wouldn't go out of my way to do it again. <laughs> I also dipped a fry in mayo, and I don't get it. Better than fries and ice cream. That's just yeah, that's weird. Yeah. I get my fries and barbecue sauce. So I'm glad that we agree on the ice cream thing because my wife did it yeah. about a week ago, and I was just uh, so. <sighs> did you file for divorce or <laughs> still going strong? In the huddle with Karan Ty on the Two and Out podcast. Well, joining us on the show this week is John Hodge from 3downnation.com. There's something called the CFL Draft. It is happening tomorrow during this crazy time. So we'll bring him on to talk the draft. I do want to highlight and give a shout out to Pure Later Tackle Hunger. Usually that starts at CFL seasons across the country or stadiums across the country every June. But with the current situation and pandemic across the country, um, they're getting an early start on this. They've already started it actually this week, starting off the 2020 food drive. And I, uh, it, it's 
incredible to see the amount of food that CFL fans have raised uh, for tackle hunger. It is it's awesome to see people show up with non-perishable food items during their their game. They show up with money uh, to donate as well. They're calling on CFL fans again to help out with that. If you can, now's the time to help out if you if you have the means to do it. Absolutely. And I mean, food banks are now are, you know, maybe a little uh, overstretched with what with everything that's going on. So I mean, it's really hard to prepare for it. So if you can, uh, you know, please donate what you can. And within your means, don't don't by any means go out, go out and uh, put yourself at risk of of, uh, you know, being behind the eight ball when it comes to groceries and and bills and stuff like that. But if you can give, uh, please do. There was big news with the Atlantic Schooners last week. Anthony LeBlanc is now with the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, until he uses, <laughs> until he tips too much when he goes out for dinner with Eugene Melnick. <laughs> Obviously, that whole situation—it's just on hold right now. Mm-hmm. And as optimistic as I was about the situation two months ago. I'm probably just as pessimistic about it now. Uh, I don't see how they can make things happen anytime soon now. In, in my heart of hearts, it feels like it's at 0%. It sucks. I mean, it, it really does. I don't know where Halifax can get the cash or Nova Scotia or anyone, really. It's not ideal, but at the same time, we don't want them coming in, being overextended, and having another renegade situation. Exactly. Not not saying that the ownership group they have now would, would do that, but I mean, just with the way the economy is right now and everything, we don't know when the CFL is coming back. We don't know when any sports leagues are coming back yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, and for them to go on as usual and not being not bringing in any money, uh, you know, it just seems more and more likely that it's either going to be a long ways away or it's not going to happen at all. And that's just the way I I feel right now. Uh, Jeremy Langford, running back for the Chicago Bears, has signed with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, Yeah, we don't know when the season, if there's going to be a season, but there has been some player movement. 2015 NFL Combine? Yeah. Fastest guy in the 40 and was the top performer in the broad jump, Jeremy Langford. All right. I, I've had him on a couple of my fantasy football teams. He he did have a couple starts here and there, maybe scored some mm-hmm. uh, touchdowns here and there. and uh, maybe. Uh, Yeah, he had six in 2015 and four in 2016. So yeah. five games total. Like it, I mean, you look at Chicago's depth chart that they had at running back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they seemed to have a young running back at all times, and he was just kind of buried and, you know, now would be the time you'd think he'd get a chance with, you know, Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback. Uh, probably should be leaning on his running backs a little more than he does, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, Sergio Castillo, kicker, back with the BC Lions. Armani Edwards, back from the XFL, signs with Edmonton. Jalen Saunders. string quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Jalen Saunders uh, goes to the Ottawa Red Blacks, and it looks like... Uh, SJ Green is going to return to the CFL. We just don't know with who he's wanting to go to Montreal. I guess they haven't had those conversations. I think it would be cool for him to finish his career in the CFL where it started. And we just watched 
that Canada Day game against the Riders yeah, the in 2010. <laughs> and oh my God. Still, uh, to this know, day. He's, he is not that SJ Green anymore, but he is still a productive yeah. receiver in the game of football. And I think, you know, any team that has the cap room uh, should look at bringing him in. A good veteran presence to have can kind of help guys along and, you know, give your quarterback somebody that he can count on uh, throwing the ball to. And we saw it in Toronto. Uh, you know, when they when they signed him, we kind of didn't know what his season was going to be with the with the knee injuries and everything. But, you know, it's kind of been a, a renaissance. Yeah, and I'm sure he would like to uh, play with Vernon Adams. That's that's kind of what I'm who, thinking. Who wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to bring John Hodge onto the show, letting you know that this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Park Power is a small local business, and like many of you, it has been closely monitoring the news on COVID-19 and the world's rapidly changing circumstances. While many of their team are currently working remotely, the way Park Power does business has not changed and their commitment to exceptional customer service will remain. Find out more about Park Power's response to the COVID-19 outbreak at parkpower.ca. And joining the show from 3downnation.com is John Hodge. And I mean, I feel like I'd be a jerk if I didn't ask you how how you were. How are you doing during this crazy time? Um, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm doing fine. Um, uh, one scary thought that I'm kind of having and I've been reflecting on in recent days because so much of my focus right now is just on the draft and leading up to it that I'm a little bit scared where I'm going to be in a few days when the draft is over. Because on the one hand, I'm excited for it to happen. For for it to happen, but on the other side, right, it's not like it's getting launched right into a season like most years. So I, I'm doing well now, but uh, I'm hoping after the draft, I don't know, I don't go crazy. It'll I'm be interesting to see. I'm kind of in the same boat too because I know a lot of fans are talking about how they miss football and everything like that, but it doesn't really feel real. Like once May Long comes and training camps were supposed to get underway, then it will feel really real. So we'll, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I, I would like to ask you this before we talk about the draft. Is there anything you could tell us about where the league and the players are at regarding a potential suspension of operations? I know they're kind of at a little bit of a disagreement right now. Um, I don't have any firm details. I know the CFL is investigating essentially every option. Um, you know, some of the options include, okay, do we have a shortened season? In which case, how do we pay players? Um you know, one, one thing is, you know, one idea that's floating around is, well, what if we just took the, you know, the, the way in which teams uh, uh, paid players, like let's say a guy is supposed to make $150,000 for the 2020 season, and we just prorated it over nine games, which would mean instead of making 150, he makes 75. Well, then the players might ask, well, hold up, I, I already got a $50,000 signing bonus. Does that mean that I'm now I'm not playing the rest of the year for only 25 grand because I'm not leaving my family for, for three months and crossing the border in this craziness for, for 25 grand when, you know, I thought I would be making, you know, another hundred G's on top of what my signing bonus was. And then 
I do think there is a very real possibility that there simply is no season, um, which I think would be devastating for for many people, uh, your, your listeners and myself included. So um, I, I'm hearing a lot of things. Uh, none of it is really positive or encouraging, I'm, I'm sad to say, uh, because, uh, again, I, I, I cover this league predominantly because I love doing so and I love watching the games and, and, and seeing players uh, achieve success. So um, I, I think at most we're going to get an eight- or nine-game season. Um, though it might be messy, depending on how players are are compensated. For example, I think we could see some veterans uh, uh, peace out right before training camp, unless their their uh, compensation right. is up to par. And I think there is a chance as well that we unfortunately will not have a season. But remains to be seen. All, all we can really do right now is keep our fingers crossed and uh, hope for the best. Obviously, yeah, it would be sad for fans of the CFL, but that's only the... Uh, almost, I, I know the fans are a big part of the league, but there are a lot of people that uh, uh, they pay the bills, they put food on the table because of the league. We've seen layoffs across the league uh, in team offices and things like that. I know it would be financially devastating for the CFL if there was no season, and I don't want to be doom and gloom, it sounds like it, but if there's no season this year, do we have nine teams or a league at all in 2021? Uh, you know, I, I think we certainly have a league. In terms of nine teams, I think that is uh, where Mr. Ambrosi is going to have to make his money because, you know, you're going to have to potentially do some pretty unprecedented things uh, to bail out teams that are struggling more than others. Um, you know, obviously some teams are very dependent on gate revenue. Others are very dependent on... TSN's uh, television deal. By the way, one one thing I've heard floated is, well, you know, uh, TSN, you know, if, if they get nine games, you know, people are starved for live sports. Well, the viewership's going to be through the roof. And it's like, well, yes, but also no, because, you know, TSN relies on ad dollars, of course, to make their money on broadcasts. And depending on where the financial world is at, and that's way above my pay grade, I can't tell you where the financial world will be in, in, in you know, a few months' time, there, there might not be the same advertising budgets as we would normally see. And if sponsorships fall through and ad deals fall through, then all of a sudden, you know, TSN is in a, in a tough situation. So, um, you know, I, I, I would obviously be very disappointed if anything really negative were to happen with any of the, the league's nine-member clubs. I think everybody would coast to coast. Uh, but that's going to have to be for, for Randy Ambrosi to figure out because if one team is – is starving while another team is, you know, good to go. A, a team like Saskatchewan, of course, comes to mind. You know, that team prints money um, in all kinds of ways without even playing games with their merchandise and endorsements and all that. Um, you know, they, they might have to get creative. And, you know, it, it's happened in the past that other teams have had to bail out a club like Saskatchewan. Maybe we'll have to see the opposite take place here as uh, we all work uh, together to overcome the ongoing health pandemic. Now, we'll get into the draft and, you know, maybe some happier conversation, something not so, you know, disappointing and sad, but uh, we both kind of get the feeling that the draft has sort of, gotten, sort of gotten more respect over the past few years rather than just being a crapshoot or regarded as one. Uh, can you just reiterate the importance of Canadian players uh, to the CFL and maybe 
even like the Blue Bombers as an example because the Canadian content is really strong in that locker room. Yeah, I, I think you know the, the the draft hasn't been taken seriously um, by some people over time simply because it, it's not the same as the NFL draft. They're not comparable really at all in my mind, and that's because you know in the NFL draft, given that there's no ratio, given that there's literally thousands of players to choose from, um, you know there there are stars who come into the NFL as rookies and and do incredible things. You know, the first overall pick in the NFL draft is expected to be a starter year one and and probably even a pro bowler, right? You see guys come in as rookies who are so highly touted that, you know, they're on the cover of Madden or, you know, they're on the cover of Sports Illustrated or, or you know, they're, they're supposed to not just develop, but they're supposed to come in and be rock stars from day one. And that's not what the CFL draft is about. Are there players who make impact uh, as a rookie? Of course. There are guys who are impactful. There are guys who play well. There are even occasionally players who will make an all-star team. However, that is not what the primary focus of the draft is. The primary focus is to cultivate Canadian talent and develop it at the professional level. And that is because simply we don't have the population of a place like the United States. There's there's about 600 prospects available in the CFL draft in any given year. And, you know, depending on the year, there might only be of those, say, 600, uh, anywhere from 80 to 120 that a team would, would reasonably consider drafting or reasonably consider having on their 53-man or 46-man uh, roster. Um that said, you can't win without Canadian talent. Half of your roster has to be Canadian in the CFL to meet the ratio requirement, and you have to start at least seven, which means that approximately a quarter of your starters are Canadian. And if you have a Canadian starter, you better have a good quality Canadian backup for him as well uh, with injuries. So it's not the NFL draft. It's not even the NHL or NBA draft. But I still think, you know, as much as it's maybe not as closely uh, uh, related to, say, immediate success as those drafts. I think it is equally important in terms of long-term success. You mentioned, Ty, the, the importance of Canadian talent on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, You know, whether, whether it's Andrew Harris being a ratio breaker at running back or Nick Dembski catching touchdown passes as a slot, whether it's uh, you know, uh, Canadians on defense like uh, you know, Jeff Hecht, uh, Manning the secondary, Jake Thomas rushing the passer as a nose tackle, you know, special teams guys like Shane Gauthier and Jesse Briggs making plays on, on punt cover. Um, and then, of course, an offensive line. They, they had five different Canadian starters at various points of the, of the season last year and were very successful with all, all uh, five of those, those interior blockers shuffling through the, the three interior spots. Uh, you know, you want to talk about, uh, you know, Patrick Newfelt, uh, Drew Desjardins, who was a very impactful rookie, by the way, last year, fourth overall pick in 2019. Michael Couture, you know, th- these are all players who who were once members of, of the CFL draft. Many of them, the vast majority of them, were drafted in Winnipeg, uh, guys who started their career in Winnipeg on that offensive line and otherwise. So, you know, it's an important event. It's not as sexy, maybe I'll use that word, as, as the NFL draft, but it's, <laughs> but I think it's equally as important in the long run. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see uh, Mike O'Shea drafting from his yacht 
<laughs> when you speak of sexiness <laughs> at the draft. Probably not. <laughs> uh, and so you listed off a bunch of Canadians, and like you mentioned with, with the ratio, it kind of makes me think almost that the combine is pretty important with the smaller population, the smaller number of players to pick from, and there hasn't been a lot of combines or you know any at this at all this year how has that changed the way that you've gathered info for this year's draft and and how has it changed the way scouts have to prepare for this draft i think the 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 lack of a combine has changed things i don't think it's changed things dramatically uh only because i think you know any scout uh, well any 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 successful scout is going to use film as their their primary uh, methodology for assessing and and grading prospects. Um, you know, if if you if you scout a guy and you fall in love with him, let's say a receiver, and and he's got just this great speed, and he's burning, and he's he's ripping by defensive backs, and then he comes to the combine and he runs you know four six five, you know, which is you know average, pretty mediocre speed. You know, you kind of raise your eyebrow and go, interesting. Well. You know, maybe he's got game speed. Maybe you know, maybe he's faster than the four six five, or or maybe he's just the smartest guy on the field, and he knows how to pick angles, and he uses that to his advantage. Uh, but I don't think the lack of of a forty time necessarily concerns you. And the opposite is also true. If a guy looks looks sluggish on film, he's not getting behind defenders. He's not a burner. He's not you know uh, uh, killing teams with a deep ball. But then he comes to the combine and he runs a four three eight which is fantastic speed, then it's like, well, okay, it's impressive that he ran a 4.38, but like he should be killing teams if he's a 4.38 guy, and he's not. He looks average on the film. He looks mediocre. Um, so the, the, the combine is an important element that's missing, but I think it's only you know, maybe the, the third, fourth, or fifth, fifth best tool that a team has to really assess guys. Um, so would you like to have it? Of course. But I don't think teams are, are flying in blind by any stretch of the imagination. I think they, they largely you know, know who these players are. The film is the most important uh, thing. The second is the interview. And while interviews over you know, Skype, Zoom, or whatever you know, software you're using aren't as good as in-person interviews, you know, they're, they're still close, and, and teams have, have spent a lot of time in the last while doing that. So... I think it's it's definitely a piece of the puzzle you'd like to have, but does the lack of a combine, you know, really throw a wrench into things for teams? I, I don't think so. I think that that teams should uh, still be uh, at least relatively well prepared. At least they don't have any excuse not to be uh, going into Thursday. And you touched on it there with the interviews. Uh, you know, doing them on Zoom. Uh, the last time I was on Zoom on Saturday night, I did my best Wade Boggs impression. Didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> other than the fact I won $330 of playing poker. But nice. uh, Danny Machocha uh, said the Owls have done 53 interviews. Uh, do you find the interview virtual interviews benefit or hinder the prospects? Or is it kind of just not really make that big of a difference in the interview itself? You know, I, I think a big part of what the interviews address is just the person kind of underneath the helmet, so to speak. Um, you know, it, like any of us in, in a professional workplace, you know, it, it helps to have competent colleagues, but it's also important to, to like your colleagues. Um, you know, is your colleague the kind of person who is arrogant and cocky and thinks they're the smartest person in the room, even when they're not? 
or is your well, don't talk about Travis? He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> or, you know, is, is your colleague the kind of person who, you know, shows up early, stays late, and, and right. you know, when they get credit, they turn to the next person and say, actually, you know what, the person who really deserves the credit is is, is Brazilian Thai, because he's the <laughs> real genius here, right? Um, I'm never going to give that know, up. <laughs> the, the numbers never lie. The numbers never lie. Exactly. So I think that's a big part of it. Um some of the things that teams will do is is they'll kind of try to test guys' football IQ. I know that they'll they'll put on a play where maybe a prospect, you know, uh, uh, made a good decision. Uh, you know, uh, whether it's say a blocking scheme, they picked up a blitz effectively, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's a DB who got burned and, and completely misread the play, and they'll say, "Okay, take us through your thought process here. Why did you make this decision?" and and they'll see the way in which, you know, a player can respond to that and how well they can explain themselves. Because maybe what looked like a mental error on film was actually not their error. Or maybe, maybe you know, maybe it was an error, but they, you know, they can, they can do a great job of explaining, well, you know, I was coached to, to look for X and Y, and I realized after this play, you know, uh, this didn't happen, or I thought this was going to unfold differently than, than it did, uh, blah, blah, blah. If they prove that they have no idea why the mistake occurred, which means it's going to happen again in the future, that's a red flag. So I think it's it's partly a personality thing, uh, and I think it's partly a, a football IQ thing. But I I think they're very important um, because again, you know, especially as you get into the later rounds of the draft, like let's say you know you're a team, you're looking for some special teams help, you know you. You don't necessarily need a guy who's going to come in right away, but you want a guy who, who maybe after being on PR for a year can come in and, and help you out on special teams to say, a linebacker. Well, in, in round six, if that's where you're looking to pick up your linebacker, there might be four guys who all you know have pretty much the same frame and pretty much the same production from college and uh, are, are all likely to be available. Um, why not pick the one who you think is the best personality, who you think is going to fit into your club the best, who you think is going to learn the fastest, work the hardest, and, and be the best teammate? I, I think that's especially where things come in with your, uh, you know, a mid a mid late round guy, not not a guy who's a first second round talent, but a guy who, just based off of, you know, being a good teammate and working hard, could end up having uh, a long CFL career. We saw Chase Claypool from Abbotsford get drafted in the second round by the Steelers. Neville Gallimore from Ottawa taken in the third by the Cowboys. And I think four other Canadians were signed as undrafted free agents to the NFL. It kind of looks like this draft has a pretty deep talent pool. Is that fair? I I think that's fair. Um, I don't think it's the best group that I've seen, but I, I think it's a pretty good group. Um, one thing that I will say is I think it's a bit top heavy. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is I think, you know, the top say 20, I'll I'll say that with an asterisk, 20 players approximately are guys who I think pretty much wherever they end up in the league, um, provided they get an honest chance. And I think they will, will have long successful careers. And after that 20, I think you're looking for a guy who's the right fit or a guy who falls to you, who you can use, you know, in, in a specific way. Um, 
because it's not the kind of draft where you look and you say, wow, well, you know, this guy could be a first or he could be a fifth. No, it, it, it's a draft where it's like, okay, of these, you know, first 25 spots, these 20 guys are definitely going. And then after that, it's like this big second tier where it's like, like I'll use the offensive line, for example. Carter O'Donnell, I still think out of Alberta, he's one of the guys signed the NFL. He's uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. He's still going to be a top 20 pick. Uh, Jack Curtilla out of Buffalo is fantastic. He'll be a top three pick, I think, for sure. And then after that, there's this giant glut of O-linemen who are all kind of part of that second tier. Chris Gangarosa out of Wagner, Dylan Giffen out of Western, Catella Say out of Laval, Andrew Becker out of Regina, Coulter Woodbensey out of Guelph, Jacob Zott out of McMaster, Matlin Riley out of Saskatchewan, and I might even throw uh, Jonathan Zamora out of St. FX there. I might throw in uh, Taryn Churchill out of Regina there. A giant group, all of whom I think will go, you know, tail end around two to round five. And honestly, there's not a lot that separates them. They all have things they do well. They all have things that they need to develop. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting draft, at least I think starting in round three because that's where I think things get really unpredictable. And looking back years from now, you're going to be like, really? That guy was a third-round pick? He did nothing. But there might be guys where it's like, holy smoke, so-and-so got this guy in the fifth round, and, and he's really good. He figured something out at the pro level, and, and he's having a really successful career. So it's a good draft, but I wouldn't say it's deep, if that makes sense. It's top-heavy. There's, there's, there's 20, maybe 25 prospects at the top, that I think are really good, and then there's a bunch of projects after that. Not to say they're not good players, but there's just more so than, than previous years when rounds kind of two, three, four can blend together. This one is, feels different to me. It feels, uh, feels top-heavy with a steep drop, uh, maybe, again, around pick 20 to 25 feels a bit weird to say that the Calgary Stampeders have the number one pick. They also did in 2014 because of a trade with Ottawa. Uh, then, two, your last mock draft went up about a week ago on 3downnation.com. Do you still see the Stamps going with linebacker Jordan Williams with that pick and why? Well, I, I think Jordan Williams is is the best player in the draft who's immediately available. And I don't think there's, there's a huge question about that. But probably second for me would be Thomas Jack Curdle out of Buffalo, the O-lineman. Uh, maybe followed by Isaac Adiemi Bargolin, the defensive end out of southeastern Louisiana. Uh, but Jordan Williams, to me, is an NFL-caliber talent. He's, he's the kind of player who you don't often see in the CFL draft period, um, especially when there's no NFL opportunity for him. Jordan Williams graduated from East Carolina in 2017. Uh, He hasn't played since then, which is a little bit of a red flag for teams. Teams do not like when guys haven't played in a while. That said, he's still only 25. It's not like he's 29 trying to make a career in the CFL. He's still young. And uh, he had an absolutely freakish performance at the Ontario Regional Combine. This is a guy at 5'11", 218 pounds, ran sub 4.5, so he's got receiver speed at, at, at essentially 220 pounds, 39-inch uh, vertical, which means he can jump higher than most professional receivers, and, and his quickness is off the charts as well. Um, he was a three-year starter with the Pirates. He did get an NFL look 
uh, briefly with the 49ers in 2018. But, you know, the point is he's, you know, he, he, the, the only reason he's not in the NFL is that he's 5'11". And, and we've seen that happen before uh, yeah. right with Adam Big Hill. You know, he's an NFL talent. There's never been a question about that. Uh, but he, he's just not quite big enough. Well, guess what? 5'11", 220 is big enough for the CFL. There's lots of linebackers of that size. J.C. Sherritt would be, would be a perfect example. Uh, J.C. Sherritt, I actually think, was, was quite a bit shorter than that, 5'9", maybe, um, who can have fantastic, even Hall of Fame-like careers. So uh, I don't think linebacker is a huge area of need uh, for the Stamps. For instance, when Corey Greenwood got hurt last year, they went American there. They didn't continue starting a Canadian because they didn't have to start a Canadian there. That said, I just think if you have the first pick and you're going to get a guy under contract for three years, uh, I think you're laughing if you're Calgary uh, with the opportunity to take Jordan Williams because even if you don't start him, he's going to be maybe the best special teams player in the league. He is, he's, he's an absolute freak athletically and and he can start for you probably as a rookie at, at middle or weak side linebacker. Um, you know, again, he's he's an NFL caliber talent who's not in the NFL, and he's got a Canadian passport. Like, I I just don't see how how you argue with that. I'm not not again not saying anything bad about anybody behind him, but to me, if you're Calgary, it's maybe not a no brainer pick, but it's it's pretty close just given the the circumstances at play uh, for Williams being available there at one. Territorial exemptions were the new wrinkle added to the draft last year. Basically, the two worst teams uh, get to pick a, a team or a player within their territorial limits at the end of the second round. Uh, Gallimore was drafted in the third round by the Cowboys, so it seems like they, they like him a lot. Uh, would Ottawa be able to take him there at the end of the second round? Is he going to fall further? Is, is it worth burning a pick on him there? No. <laughs> He's never going to be in Canada, is he? I, I, I think, know. honestly, if you're drafting Chase Claypool or Neville Gallimore, you'd be just as well off voiding the pick, Right. quite, quite right. frankly. I, I don't think it's worth taking either player. Um, maybe with an eighth-round pick, right? Like, you know, if, you know, for example, like the last pick in the draft belongs to, to Winnipeg in the eighth round, you know, whoever you could otherwise draft there, you can always sign as, as an undrafted yeah. free agent. Um, you know, may, maybe it's worth taking a flyer there just because then you have his rights forever. But the only way that I see Chase Claypool or Neville Gallimore not having very long, successful NFL careers is if they're completely derailed by injury. And, you know, if a guy can't play in the NFL – because his body's messed up, I can't see a circumstance under which a CFL team comes by, you know, a year or two later and says, "Hey, you played for millions in the states, but would you play in Canada <laughs> for eighty grand?" Like, I, I just don't see that circumstance playing out. Um, you know, Canadian players in the past who have gone that high, you know, Ty- Tyrone Crawford, who also went to the Cowboys, would be a perfect example. Um, I think he was a third round pick. I'd have to double check that, but. You know, he, he's been in the NFL for seven years now, you know, and, and I mean, he's been with the Cowboys for the whole time, making tens right. of millions of dollars. So the, the, the point is, you know, the odds of, of Gallimore coming to Canada or Claypool coming to, to Canada 
are, are low enough that I would not give them a draftable grade if I was if I yeah. was running one of the nine teams drafts. That said, you know Toronto, especially I think at that territorial pick has a ton of options just because the GTA produces so many uh, yeah. talents in the draft. They they have a ton of options there. Ottawa is a bit more limited, but I, I still think there are good players they could get there. Two that I'll highlight quickly. One is Daniel Bazambombo, linebacker out of Laval. He's planning on going back to school, but he's a six foot, two hundred thirty pound linebacker who runs well. Um, I think he's well worth that territorial selection. And the other is a guy named Graydon Campbell out of William and Mary. He's a three hundred pounder who who spent basically even amounts of time uh, at uh, at William and Mary on the offensive and defensive lines. So if you're looking for a guy. Uh, he's almost been compared to uh, Quinn Smith a little bit. For those who remember Quinn Smith, he spent a lot of years in Calgary as a guy who, you know, he's probably never a starter, but he's a 300-pounder who can realistically play defensive tackle for you, but also play guard just as easily, uh, which in a league like the CFL with small rosters is is a pretty valuable thing to have. So I, I would say, you know, Ottawa, there there are other guys who could provide some value, I think if you take Gallimore with your territorial, it's it's a bit of a foolish decision, at least in my opinion. You brought up the late the later rounds and how you know you can instead of drafting a guy with that last pick in the eighth round, you can sign him as a undrafted free agent and kind of do what you want there. Kwaku Boateng was drafted in the fifth round of the 2017 draft. He's sort of become that benchmark where you know the diamond in the rough, the guy that you can steal late in the draft. Who has the best chance of being the next uh, Kwaku Boateng in the CFL? That's a fantastic question. I have a video coming out shortly for Three Down Nation where I've got five uh, five kind of uh, mid, mid-round draft gems, I think I'm calling them. Uh, but if you want fifth round or later, we're going down the board here. Um, let's say uh, for a guy who's likely to be available in the fifth round or later, but I think it have a, a decent impact, maybe even a big impact with the team, is a uh, defensive back by the name of Matt McConnell out of uh, St. Mary's. Matt McConnell hasn't played football since 2017. Um, he had a doping violation that year, which kicked him out of U-sports uh, for, for a number of so, years. But So Winnipeg's drafting him. Well, we'll see. They did draft the last doper in, uh, in Rashawn Simonize, though that didn't work out. Um, but McConnell is, is, you know, he's essentially Taylor Loeffler light. He's 6'2", 210 pounds. He runs well. He's, uh, he, his vertical jump is insane, and he loves to hit. Um, that, that's that's kind of what he was famous for. He only played... 15 games with the Huskies, but he put up a ton of tackles and a ton of hits. And uh, he's a guy who I think, you know, because he hasn't played in a few years and because of the doping thing, you know, you're not going to have to use a high pick to get him. He's probably falling to, I, I would guess, at least the fifth round, maybe six or seven. But he's a guy who, you know, I think more so than a lot of DBs or even linebackers in this draft is going to have a lot of success running around on special teams and you know, lighting guys up and making plays. And then after that, you know, maybe then in year two, for instance, you know, he can get into a game for you at safety and, and maybe he makes some plays. Um, but again, that's, I think, a guy who, at least for me, stands out in terms of 
you know, I, I think talent-wise, he's he should go higher. But because of the two years off and because of the doping, is is going to fall uh, to later on. You had me at Taylor Loeffler, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> That's his man crush. <laughs> He's all of our man uh, crushes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, how how can he not be? Like it's basically him and then everybody else. Uh, Nathan Work out of Ohio, playing for the Bobcats, is the Canadian quarterback of the season right now. Uh, what do you see in his future? I'm super excited about Nathan Rourke because I think he's he's certainly the best Canadian quarterback I've seen since I started covering the draft wow. seriously about five years ago. And I think you mm-hmm. could probably make the argument that he's the best Canadian quarterback uh, maybe even in the last 20 years, frankly. Um, you know, a guy like Jesse Palmer would be there. Maybe Brandon Bridge would be right there. But, uh, oh, and... I guess if you want to count him, though, he's never filed for, um, you know, his uh, his uh, uh, CFL status would be Mark Rippon, who's now in the NFL. But, you know, the, the, the point is um, Rourke is, is, is just a freak. Um, he's a guy who mm-hmm. put up 7,500 passing yards with the Bobcats. Uh, he had a good touchdown interception ratio through 20 touchdowns or uh, 60 touchdowns to just 20 interceptions. But also, as a rusher, I mean, he ran for 2,600 yards and 49 scores. So this is a guy who, you know, he's, uh, by college standards, an elite rusher. By pro standards, he's probably still going to be a good rusher, a guy who can be a legit threat to make plays with his legs. But he's also got a better arm uh, than, uh, you know, a lot of, certainly at the college level. And at the pro level, I think his arm is at least, at least average by CFL standards. He's not very big, which I think is a lot of the reason why he hasn't signed an NFL contract. He's only about 6'1", and uh, soaking wet, he's probably about 210 pounds. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy who, you know, scouts are saying could realistically be a backup quarterback for about half the teams in the CFL right now. He's that good. And I think if you're a team without a proven backup like BC, uh, uh, Edmonton, Winnipeg, uh, Calgary potentially, um, you know, uh, uh, even Hamilton if they're if they're worried about losing uh, Dane Evans after 2020, um, you know, I think he could be a, an option for a lot of teams uh, heading into the draft. And maybe now it's not as big of a deal that he played in the MAC and not one of the Power Five conferences because scouts are starting to realize that you know good players do play in other conferences. Just that's the way it goes now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you've seen lots of, of, of very, uh, you know, efficient, uh, you know, NFL quarterbacks come out of a whole bunch of places. I mean, Joe Flacco, you know, went to Delaware, for goodness sake. I mean, you know, like, like there's, there's guys ben going out of everywhere. Miami of Ohio. Exactly. Um, and again, I, I, one way I think the NFL is still maybe a bit narrow-minded, if, if I were to use that word, um, in terms of quarterbacks, is, is I think they still get caught up on the prototypical size and height thing. You would have thought mm-hmm. that that would disappear between, say, you know, the Drew Breeses and, and Russell Wilsons of the world. But, you know, uh, unfortunately that standard is still there, and I think that's why Rourke is available. But, you know, again, one of the ways in which the CFL draft is unique is that you, you need guys to, to be great, obviously, to take them in the first round or two. 
but you also don't want them to be great to the point that the NFL, you know, takes them for life. I'll mm-hmm. uh, uh, chase Claypool and Neville Gallimore. So, you know, the fact that Rourke isn't under contract in the NFL should raise his draft stock. He's still a quarterback, and the CFL's rules about ratio, though they're better than they were a couple of years ago, they're still a bit nonsensical, which hurts his draft stock. But I, I still think Nathan Rourke is good enough that he should he should certainly be off the board by the end of the second round, um, which is the highest that we will have seen a, a, a Canadian quarterback get drafted in you know in a long long time. Who who are some players that you see contributing this season? You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily late round pick. Just guys that can come in, and whether it's you know maybe steal somebody's starting spot or fill a hole or or make a huge uh, impression on special teams. One for sure would be would be Jordan Williams, uh, as discussed, whether he, he ends up in Calgary or elsewhere. Uh, another I'll highlight is Thomas Jack Curdle out of Buffalo, the offensive lineman. Um, again, him and Carter O'Donnell, to me, are the only two blockers really in the top tier of O-linemen in this draft, and Carter O'Donnell is in the NFL. So if you want an impact mm-hmm. offensive lineman, um, and I think Calgary, at, uh, pardon me, Toronto at two and BC at three need one. You have to take him. You can't not take him yeah. because anybody else past him, as much as they might develop into good players, are probably not doing much to help you as rookies. So Jack Curdle would absolutely be one. Um, one I'll highlight at uh, the defensive line position is Isaac Adiemi Berglund. Uh, Isaac Adiemi Berglund had a very non-traditional. Uh, uh, routes to the CFL. He was born in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and then he moved to southeastern Louisiana for his college career. So he's never seen a CFL game live, and his wow. whole life he's been, you know, 2,000 kilometers away from yeah. seeing a CFL game live. Um, that said, he's going to be a four-teamer uh, from day one, playing on all four special teams, and he, I think, could could realistically, as a rookie, contribute a fair amount as a rotational pass rusher. Maybe even if this was a regular 18-season game, look at getting a starting role, depending on, you know, kind of where he lands. If he's with a team like in Edmonton, for example, uh, that starts a Canadian pass rusher with Kwaku Boateng, as you mentioned, Ty, um, he's that good. He came to, to mm-hmm. southeastern Louisiana as, as a 210-pound inside linebacker, and he's since grown to he's about 245 pounds now, and uh, he's basically been a sack a game guy for the last two years. He also, um, in a game against LSU in 2018, uh, sacked uh, Joe Burrow three times in the same contest. Wow. That's the same Joe Burrow Good. that yeah that just went first <laughs> overall uh, in the NFL draft to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think he could be an impact player. And then one more I'll highlight is uh, Adam O'Claire out of Laval. Uh, Eau Claire is he's, he's pretty much the definition of a tweener. He's not really a linebacker, but he's not really a DB. He's 6'2", about 212 pounds. Uh, that said, I think he could start potentially uh, moving forward at safety in the CFL. Uh, but he's also a guy who could rotate, I think, heavily at, at will or even Sam linebacker. Um, a rough comparison has been made to Craig Butler with him as a guy who can kind of do nice. all three. Um, but he's definitely, as a rookie, going to make a big impact on special teams. Um, and then defensively, just given his versatility and all the different things that he can do, um, as, a, as, a, as a smart player, too, a smart guy, 
I think could uh, could see him contribute a lot. So those those are four I'll highlight. And uh, honestly, I, I think Adiemi is for sure a top five pick. Jack Curl is for sure a top three pick. Williams, I think, is likely the first pick. And Eau Claire is is maybe the only one who can sneak in around two. That said, would not surprise me at all if he if he got into round one. Are there any guys that you personally are just a fan of? Like they don't even need to be, you know, a top twenty guy that has all the athletic uh, gifts to get him into the top twenty. But just an unsung hero, a hardworking guy that maybe you're just a fan of. I mean, I, I've become a, a, a big fan of a lot of these guys, especially this year doing so many. I mean, we didn't have a combine, and I've been lucky yeah. enough the last three years to go to the combine where you kind of get to meet guys. And um, some of you, some of them give you a really positive vibe, you know, like, like you just, you know, you, you, you chat with them for, for a while, and, and, you know, they're bright and they're friendly. And there are some guys who are the exact opposite, and it's like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Right. Um, but... Uh, you know, talking to guys at least over the phone leading up to the draft, one guy who I have to say I've become a big fan of, and I started being a fan of him when I was watching his games in the summertime uh, getting into the fall, is Waterloo's Dion Polarin. He's a running back, but he's a guy who, growing up in Abbotsford, uh, played on all three phases of the ball uh, at his high school. He, he started at linebacker, he started at running back, and he played all four special teams. So he essentially ran onto the field when the game started, and he didn't come off till the game was done. Wow. Um, and he was good enough that he actually got recruited by several universities as a linebacker. Waterloo was the only one who wanted him to play uh, running back. And the reason I like him so much is I, I think he's a good running back. I don't think he's a CFL running back necessarily. Like, I don't see him as a ratio changer. That said, I could see him being a guy like, say, an anti Milanovic leader in Calgary. Love or, that guy. Or a guy yeah, or a guy like uh, not necessarily the same body type, but similar to Johnny Augustine okay. in uh, Winnipeg, or even Brendan Galanders in Ottawa. A guy who can get a few carries and and make the most of them, but then also just all the other things that he does as a guy who's not just a prima donna running back who's you know doesn't want to get his nose dirty playing special <laughs> teams, but a guy who's who's going to go out there rock people on special teams and and use some of that. Uh, defensive linebacker prowess that he developed uh, all through high school. So, again, there's lots of guys who I like, but he's one that stands out to me as, as a pretty unique player, a guy who, again, you know, went, went through being a, a, a very good running back, but unlike a lot of youth sports running backs where that's all they've done because, you know, they might be the, the best offensive weapon on their team and the coaching staff would have a heart attack if they asked to go play special teams. <laughs> um, you know, he's a guy who's done it all over the last eight years. And uh, as such, I think will make a big impact at the CFL level. Finally, before letting you go, I just want to ask you, do you think that uh, with training camp not starting on time, it could be another four months or it could be another year uh, does this benefit the 2020 draft class in any way? They have more time to train, get ready for the season, or maybe it just depends on the guy. What do you think on that front? I don't think it helps them because what's going to happen, I mean, and, and we'll see what happens with U sports football. It's very possible that, you know, the NCAA won't play in 2020 yeah. and, and U sports won't play. But one awkward situation you could run into is is you've got, you know, let's say it's the 2021 season. In theory, you could have 
two years worth of rookies all battling for the same job. Now, yeah. there could be a larger than normal kind of generation of veterans who are done, which opens up more spots, but you could realistically say have, you know, uh, uh, a, a 2021 group of rookies that is half, you know, 2020 draft guys who didn't get to play their rookie years and then half 2021 draft guys who missed their entire last year of university. The yeah. other thing that could potentially happen is you might have the NCAA, let's say there's no season in 2020, say, all right, anybody who had eligibility in 2020 is getting it back. Well, now all of a sudden, because the CFL does not allow teams to draft NCAA players unless they are in their or completed their either redshirt senior year or senior year. So then all of a sudden it's like, okay, if if U sports guys are allowed to go into the draft, but NCAA guys aren't, all of a sudden that's weird. Or the opposite could be true, or maybe both is true. Maybe the maybe U sports and the NCAA give everybody back their draft years. Like like it could be a super weird situation um, that uh, you know. And we'll have to obviously wait and see how things unfold. But it uh, I don't think it helps anybody. Uh, the only thing that I would say is it, you know. I think we're all kind of in the same boat, which is maybe the thing to look uh, That's the silver lining is, you know, it, it, this is a tough situation for young players, but it's going to be equally tough for, for veterans who are trying to, you know, get the last year or two out of their, out of their careers. Cause you know, if there's no CFL season in 2020, I, I would assume some, some older guys in the league who maybe wanted to do another year or two after 2019, we, we might just never see them again. So it's, it's a bit tough to say, but there's there's a whole bunch of factors at play. I, I don't think it's a net positive, unfortunately, though, for anybody. All right, uh, John. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show this week. Enjoy the draft tomorrow, and stay healthy out in Winnipeg, okay? Thanks, Travis. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, stay healthy yourselves. Thanks to John Hodge of 3downnation.com for providing his expertise on the CFL draft, which goes tomorrow. Uh, the first two hours, so basically I think the first couple rounds, are going to be on TSN. And then uh, Marshall Ferguson of TSN 1150 and CFL.ca is going to take over and uh, do the rest of the draft on CFL.ca. I'm looking forward to... Uh, watching that. Ty, I got to let you know about Pod Power. ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we're giving a Pod Power shout out to That's Food, uh, a new podcast from CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. That's Food explores the backstory of food in Edmonton. One meal at a time. It's handmade with love by University of Alberta students. You can listen to That's Food on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can also find it at that'sfood.transistor.fm. During this 
quarantine lockdown situation. I know a lot of people are trying recipes for the first time. I am, and even Ty is trying sour cream on his pierogies. So that's food I think would be the perfect show to check out. What are you going to try next? I'm liking this new open-minded Brazilian Ty. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's not up to me. Let's be honest. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> Beef tartare. Would you ever do it? Isn't that just raw meat? Basically. Yeah, that's yeah. Like that's not a big deal. Uh, you can, I eat. Ba- I've eaten bacon out of the package, so I mean, whatever. Yeah, I've eaten raw. It's bacon already too. smoked. It's already smoked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week, recapping the CFL draft. So we'll talk to you then. In the meantime, uh, Ty and I both sending our love to Nova Scotia. And uh, Fort McMurray, who are dealing with uh, uh, another terrible flood. I think I saw 12,000 residents uh, have been affected by the Athabasca River up there and uh, the the ice jam and everything. Uh, Sending our love to, I guess, everybody across Canada. Uh, We will talk to you next week. Uh, Stay healthy. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.